Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Film Trooper Presents Film Marketing Fridays. And we have a sponsor. It's Brad Pitt. No, it's not. <laughs> but Brad Pitt was in a story recently because he just signed a $30 million deal with Netflix. Netflix is going to fund his next film called, I think it's called War Machine. At least that's the working title. It's a war satire film. And what's interesting about this um, is that Again, Netflix is disrupting the order of how a Hollywood has been working for a while. Um, because obviously this film is not going into the cinemaplexes. It's going straight to Netflix. Uh, so this article written by Joe uh, Newmare Numer over at the New York Daily News, he wrote in there based off this uh, news story, which is what's the downside? The downside possibly could be that the multiplexes could increasingly become safe for only the big budget blockbusters, remakes, and reboots. So what happens here is that potentially this could become a bubble. So only cinemas and, and the, the way Hollywood funnels like just big spectacle films, it'd be, it's, just, it's like all your eggs in one basket. It's just like if something happens to these mega budget films, uh, there could be, as Spielberg has said, there's going to be an implosion. Mega budget movies are going to go crashing to the ground, and that's going to change the paradigm. So again, if we've seen uh, other industries have bubbles, we saw the uh, real estate bubble, we've seen the dot-com bubble. So who's to say that it can't happen to Hollywood? But if that's the case, how do you survive the Hollywood implosion? <laughs> and so with my new book, you can grab on Amazon right now. It's uh, how to make and sell your film online and survive the Hollywood implosion while doing it. All you have to do is go over to survivetheimplosion.com to get all the details. And with that said, we go on to our topic of today's show, which is marketing tips for web series. And I'm um, joined by our, whoops, that's a quick thing there. I'm joined by our guest filmmaker and actress and entertainer. By the way, this is me. I'm Scott McMahon. I'm a fellow film trooper. <laughs> so that's my big fat head. So I will do my best to pronounce, oh my God, I had it. I had your name. I had it. Hold on. Oh, you got to say it for me because I just blew Think it. Think of the island. Okay. Marisha. 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 Right? Pretty good. <laughs> okay. That's pretty crappy. You say it. Marisha's good. Just stick with Marisha. It's easy. Right? <laughs> well, I'm here with Marisha. Um, and she is, it's, it's, she's quite busy. <laughs> like she's a working full-time actress in the, uh, in London. Are you based in London or out of Soho? Yeah. Uh, I've just moved out of Soho, which is part of the reason I, I made this series, but yeah, I, I'm based in London. So, okay, great. So I want to show, uh, some people a little bit like, where's my, where's my screen get to show all these wonderful things that you're doing. So obviously... <laughs> God help us. Okay, there you are. So we have your main website um, where you give us not only what you're doing, all the modeling and acting and filmmaking, um, but you, you're also working on this web series called The Singing Psychic. And, yes. and that's what we're here to discuss. And it's quite good because you created this character. Um, yeah. Does she have an, a name besides just The Singing Psychic? Um, I've decided she doesn't, actually. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I, I keep being asked but it, I can't find one that makes sense for me she's a singing I mean I do live shows with her as well and it just makes perfect sense for me that she's just known as the singing psychic 
Tell us a little bit more about the singing psychic. Uh, like, you know, if I bumped into you in the street and you're, and I heard something that you're doing this web series or you have this character, tell us a little bit more. Well, uh, she of course has Polish accent uh, because she has Polish father and she hears the music in your heart. So when she meets person, she just hears music coming from your soul. And also she hears the music in the buildings around her. So wherever she is, I am, I can hear. And I also do birthday readings and horoscope because <laughs> I try and uh, I, can, I know how to fix your life, you see. So this is why. But my, my web series, Songs of Soho, is because Soho in London is being uh, changed, it's being regentrified. We have crossfire destruction. And the buildings are crying because they are all about sex and rock and roll and drugs and freedom, yeah. sexual freedom for all, not about nice coffee places. Oh, I see. So there's a lot of this like cultural history being lost. By the way, you went into that character so well, like it's just in and out, you know, very nicely. <laughs> I, ha I haven't even got the wig on either. <laughs> yeah, no, no wig. But uh, I, I, play, I play a lot of Polish characters because my father's Polish, so I've learned the, to do the accent without any problems. <laughs> you know what I love about the, the, the few uh, videos that I saw that you sent me? Um, if, it's not necessarily like a travel guide, but you know, I haven't had a chance to go to London, and I know that my family and I desperately want to go. And um, to see like the little nooks and crannies that I pr probably would not have seen like on a general tourist, you know? But the, the wonderful thing about the internet and in video is getting to ch a chance to see all these different areas and culture cultures. Um, and you have a unique way of sharing it because I didn't know about all the musical history of that one particular building you were talking about. And um, that was fascinating. And also your can uh, film festival footage, you know, that was, that was really, really cool, you know? So yeah, that was, that was songs of can because, and I'd actually found a DOP to shoot it, but he went AWOL on a yacht somewhere on a film party. <laughs> So, and I was there for like 10 days and I was like, on the Friday, I was leaving on the Saturday. I went, okay, I just need to shoot songs from Can. It's wrong for me to be here and, and not. So I literally got dressed up. I'd been given a selfie stick as a gift as a film party. I got my iPhone, got it on full week and out I went on the streets of Can. But I also, because I have the passes, because I'm an actress, so I can do the red carpets I also went around the back to show you bits you couldn't normally see, which I thought was quite a, you know, a different thing. Yeah, um, that was, it was great. It was really great. It was just, it felt like I'm on the street level at that event, as opposed to sometimes you see like uh, footage or coverage of cans that just feels as more manufactured by, you know, the press. So it was, it was uh, very nice. Cool. So let's, um, let's just jump into the questions. So cool. you have, um, let me jump over to the screen share or the slide share and everybody can see that. So your first question was simply, are web series awards worth the effort and expense to enter? So as you're developing your web series, you're thinking like, well, do I save up money as part of my budget to enter these awards? And really, are they worth it? Um, with that said, it's really about the ROI, the return on investment. So kind of putting your head around that, um, it's, it's trying to come to grips of your expectations, you know, sort of defining your expectations. And, and what I mean by that was from what I can gather is you always hear these weird outlying stories or outlier stories about 
I don't know, like I was at the film festival or at this web series award that was t t took place in Nebraska or some small, you know, small state or city. And just because the guy who, you know, ran it, went to high school with this famous producer or something like that, I just, you know, you always hear these random what if stories that could, that could happen. But, but all those little stories that, that we hear through the grapevines of things happening, there's a lot more stories where a lot of stuff doesn't happen. You know, <laughs> so I think really what it comes down to is you decide like how much does it cost me to enter this particular contest or or bid for an award? Um, I know here in the States, it's not unheard of for like uh, local Emmys, local TV stations that are trying to get um, Emmy awards for their news coverage. Um, it's kind of interesting. There's a lot of award shows and award programs uh, that happen all over the world where you essentially is, are the talent have to pay a submission fee, like an, a, an entry fee. Like, okay, I'm yeah. going to submit my work entry fee. But then if I get picked or sometimes they pick you, says you, congratulations, you won the award. We're going to have this event. But the only way you can get your award is you have to pay. Like you have to kind of pay like, it's 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 like this oh, wow. funny, okay. it's kind of this funny scammy thing where it's like, I know definitely like local news, you know, you might go to like a local news station or something and see all these Emmys. You know, th there's a whole like subcommittee that people like are bringing like their pieces to. And maybe they're the only people that submitted enough content that, you know, they have to give an award to somebody. You know what I'm saying? So like sometimes these things happen. So doing yeah. your homework in terms of like what awards programs that you would, um, you know, benefit from. Um, and and almost kind of like what kind of benefit or the return investment would you get if you lost? You know what I mean? Like what ha what happens at these award shows that could be more more beneficial to you? Like almost go to like the lowest common denominators. Like if you win, that's icing in the cake. But if you don't, yeah. What other things can you validate? Saying like it cost me fifty dollars to enter. Um, it's local. I don't have to deal with travel and expenses, but you know, but I know yeah. X amount of people are going to be there or, you know, even if I lose, um, I already have an agenda. I have an, a certain expectation. I just, I have a certain game plan that I'm going in there for, which is like, I just want to meet that person or I, I need to, uh, just let people know this is there or get constructive feedback of like how I can come back next year to win. Like is just by being sort of a good citizen of the community a good community member you know the, the people that put it put it on they might be able to say oh hey yeah thank you so much for entering and your stuff was great you know but um and you can ask these questions like what do you think could be help me get over the next you know hurdle the next level to to be able to win this thing or maybe just you being there gives you an idea like okay i see i could possibly do better or or change what i'm working on to win next next year and that's you hear these stories all the time where that happens to people like do that get in you got you're you're in a film that's in that was in Cannes right a short film yeah and um, what'd you tell us about what's the name of that film oh it was just a it was a short called Mother's Heart Brazilian director made in London and I mean I've been going to Cannes for a few years now and what I've really learned from going to Cannes is this is it's a place to market and and actually the red carpet the dresses the fact you have to look really good all the freaking time the free alcohol is all around making the glamour because it's the most glamorous 
film festival in the world. I mean, there's the Oscars, but they're one night. Can goes for 10 days. You end up with three hours sleep a night and you're raring to go because you're surrounded by amazing people. You have fantastic conversations with people who believe in film, whether they sell it, they write it, they're producing it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're in a community. And so you do absolutely make your connection. So it was, I hadn't thought about it from looking at the web series from what can I enter? Because that makes me go, well, is there a point in me entering a festival where I'm not going to get on a plane? Yeah. Or maybe I will go and get on a plane, if you see what I'm saying. Yeah. Because you're right. I was at the BFI for the Royal Television Society Awards last week for a film. We were nominated for three categories. There was only three films per category. We were not. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's fine. It's won the six awards already, and it's been in 20 festivals over across the world. But, but the point is, it's about I met some people. I've tweeted about it. There's some nice photos of me and a couple of the other members of the cast and the crew. You know what I mean? We've made it a bigger thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's hard. Sorry, it's hard to have an absolute ROI in networking, isn't it? As we know. But we do know that if I'm producing something or I'm acting in something, like if you're making something, they'll go, oh, what have they done? They will see your path. Yeah, definitely. Oh, she was at that. He was that. So. And here's the thing, too. Like, you like being at cans or you're at any of the events, if you can, like just have that selfie stick with you, you know, just because there's, there's something about, um, yeah, just like capturing as I'm much as possible. I'm an actress. I have a film crew. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, it's, it's, selfies, right? <laughs> or, you know, like uh, it's, but it's almost like, it's almost become, sort of accepted. I, I can't tell me like it's normal. It's not, it's not out of the norm to see somebody walking around with a stick following themselves. You know, it's like we see it all over the place and people on vacation or a spot to trying to get it, but you're at the event. Um, it's, you know, uh, we'll get into a little later, but your particular character um, definitely gives way for interaction, almost sort of like this. Uh, there's a thing for talk shows, you know, years ago in the 1950s, I think Steve Allen created it called like the man on the street. You know this the this the concept of any the, the the talent is on the street with a microphone interviewing just random people, and then that's mm -hmm. the content they create because it's if especially you have a someone who can is very well versed in improvisation and uh, comedic timing and stuff like and just a, a great comedian, it it, it lends way uh, nicely to the man in the street format. But anyway, when you're at these events, so like just think of like it, again return on investment your ROI. The worst case scenario, if you lose, like, is it worth it? And yeah. like, and, and what can you learn? And can you level up next year? And if you have an ability to record this, the experience, anytime that you can get a film crew or even your selfie stick, the, the content you create over time, you can decide like, was there anything that I captured at this event that could be turned into uh, interesting social media content uh, that is worthwhile? Uh, like I said, just your cans footage alone got me all excited about like, gosh, you know, I had never been there and I, I felt uh, like the closest to can than, than most any footage I've ever seen. So that was nice. Okay. So with that said, um, I'm going to jump over to the slides uh, presentation again. So that's my, from that's my take of what I've learned, which is simply like, if you're going to decide to enter any sort of a award show, especially web series creators and stuff like that, right. um, ask yourself, like, what's the worst case, uh, case scenario if I lose? Do I benefit when I lose? 
you know? <laughs> so that way, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you win, it's a total, you know, a total icing on the cake. So uh, here's a link that I'll supply in the slides and the show notes, okay. but the tangledwebwatch.com, uh, they have this link uh, to the web series festivals. And it's just a, they've curated a list of people putting on web series festivals plus awards. So it's a real thing, and it's uh, getting very specific in the world of web series because there's so many web series coming out. Uh, so this is a nice little quick uh, link to, to decide if there's anything there for you to enter on a later basis. So I'll send that to you too in the email, but for everyone else looking, it'll be in the show notes as well as the downloadable slides when this is posted as a recorded video. All right, so with that said, let's jump on to question number two. If I make my web series into a short film and hence have the opportunity to place it into short film festivals, will this help or hinder? So one way to look at it is to respect the platform. And what I mean by that is, my question number three, respect the platform. Um, that just means like, I've had a friend who made it an impressive you know, web series that when you strung it all together was basically a feature film. And he got it, uh, he was, uh, last minute, we got it into Rain Dance uh, last year. And it was interesting because a lot of the comments that were come back were that the, it felt like a web series sort of, you know, strung together. Because, you know, he had to create this, uh, this, uh, this, this show, this, uh, this project, you know, in small bits. So if, yeah. you, if you can figure out how to, like, connect it all together, where, like, an audience sitting through, like, 90 minutes of it, you know, their mindset is used to like, okay, where, you know, where are all the beats, where are all the, the changes, where's my act one, act two, act three, you know, so there's a, there's a disconnect sometimes because an audience in the back, like a lot of them knew like, okay, I got it, I got it. It's a web series put together as a feature film, so I'm going to give some leeway here. Um, but to that, to that said, uh, some of them are put together, I've seen some web series that are put together as a feature film that seemed to, to flow better because they probably made it as a feature film and then cut it down to like a web series. But if you're doing like little chunks and then string it all together either as a short film or a feature film, you have to ask yourself like respecting the platform or, you know, the media, is this, does this work as a short film? Does this I, work I, as a feature film? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, since I sent you that question last week, I've had to think myself and I think, <laughs> No, because I've thought about it because I've been in enough projects where yeah. obviously I understand the curve and the arc and the character and the project. Um, and I think I've, I've been thinking too, I think I might, I wouldn't put all 13 episodes. I mean, there's only four up online at the moment. I'd probably pick four and make it maximum 12. I'm thinking of, if anything, it's a documentary because really it's a part comedy, part documentary, isn't it? Because in every, yeah. every episode there's fact and there's history and I've made that happen. So I'm thinking about putting into some short documentaries. The other thing I'm thinking about is I might shoot a bit of extra footage about her life behind making these projects. Yeah. So I could almost have her dealing with dealing with making them. So the making of it in. So I've, which I think means I've got to go and shoot some more. So I've decided the short film. I think you're absolutely right that it's not. I think it's better to put four together and make it a documentary short. If you see what I'm saying, yeah, a comedy yeah, yeah. documentary. I don't know what it's not a mockumentary; it's something else. And then, but as you say, then put the arc of the character because I think that's very important. And I've, I think you're absolutely right. So, it's interesting in storytelling that transitions are sometimes overlooked. And I, I can't remember what Greek 
master <laughs> or Greek, um, ancient Greek, like artist and writer and author talked about how transitions are maybe the most important aspect of storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, and so that allows you, like you said, you have these chunks in uh, these one-offs in your web series, but just saying like, oh, okay, I need to film more. But th that more behind the scenes or whatever the transitions might be, uh, by adding in those bits of content or storytelling pieces that are really essentially serve as your bridge between the content you've already created into yeah. the overall thought, that could totally make sense and totally work. And you just and for other film, web series creators out there, <clears throat> you have to look at it like you know if I bunch this all together, what do I really have and do does it serve the platform that I that I think that I can be used as like a short film or as a feature film, and do I need to add more content? to bridge the gap or add those transitions. And so it's, it's fantastic. I could tell, now that you just told me exactly what you're thinking of doing, seeing the small bits of uh, video that I've seen already, I go, oh yeah, that totally would make sense, totally. Yeah, because I had some mad moments, obviously filming on the streets with tramps and you know, like all kinds of lovely little moments. It was a little boy who stopped me because on the at the end of every episode, I cycle off and no matter what shoes I'm wearing, it, it, I was excited <laughs> that was what was gonna happen. And some of those outfits were horrendous to cycling. But I did one, and this little boy, about six, he said to me, he, he just turned around out, out of nowhere and said, are you going to ride that bike? And I said, yes. He went, in those heels? I went, yes. <laughs> he went, are you drunk? And, <laughs> and we didn't have the cameras on because we, were, we just felt, but I had so many moments of, and I already know the end of it. I can see the last shot is I'm collapsed with my afro on probably the kitchen table, <laughs> scripts everywhere with Final Cut Pro in the background, you know, because yeah. I understand what she's done to make this. So, yeah, I think it's, I'm just going to have a think about it and make it a comedy short using yeah. probably the three or four best episodes, um, really. You know, the in and the mm -hmm. out and what she goes through as a newsmaker. <laughs> well, very, very cool. All right, so let's jump on to uh, question number three, and yeah, everybody can see that. Mm -hmm. So it's question number three is, well, how do hashtags work when promoting your work? Mm -hmm. So that's a you know very specific and, and interesting question. So let's just start with the three basic hashtag strategies. This is really what marketers use it for. Um, number one, they use hashtags as branding campaign specific, and I'll go into more detail here in a second. Mm -hmm. Um, number two is they use it for trending or finding trending topics. Mm -hmm. And number three, they use it for content. So mm -hmm. branding, trending, and content. And so the way hashtags, I won't go too much into like the history of it, but um, you know, I use hashtags for trying to tie it together, whatever you're posting. So whatever your topic is, like if your video, it, um, if you notice below, there's uh, you can put hashtags mm -hmm. in your video on YouTube. Um, you know, tweet uh, Twitter obviously is utilizes hashtags quite often. Instagram uses hashtags yeah. uh, quite often, and uh, you can even use hashtags in Facebook. But all although it kind of gets buried, and even Google Plus offers you know hashtag. And the concept there is for the marketers. The marketers look at hashtags. When they say branding and campaign specific, um, for instance, uh, Kit Kat, the candy bar, they have this slogan this um, that they use called like um, you know have a break, you know have a break, Kit Kat break or whatever it is. 
So they'll, they'll actually, whatever the song is, they actually have, um, for when they use social media, they use hashtag have a break. So the thing is, like, they already had a marketing uh, slogan, uh, logo, and or slogan, that, and a catchphrase that it just worked well. Um, mm -hmm. The famous one was maybe like milk, the milk campaign, got milk, or if it's Nike, you know, just do it. Hashtag, just yeah. do it. Um, so for the independent, the Uber independent, going well, how do I capitalize on a hashtag that nobody knows about? You know, usually what happens is there's a there's a process that uh, some marketers or bloggers use, which is like hijacking a trending topic. So that's number two that marketers use is trending. And hashtags allow for a quicker way to search. So if you're on Twitter and I want to know, I don't know, maybe I want to know more about psychics. I just might go hashtag psychic, you know? And then in that shows me very quickly in the trending topics or with that hashtag, all the tweets that have been used that had hashtag psychics in it and there's actually a tool uh, that I use uh, time to time called hashtagify.me and I'll show you to you right here and this, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so this is cool so uh, this is called hashtagify.me it's a free you know you sign up yes. and what it's really cool so like say if you want to use this is how bad my spelling is let's see if I can spell psychic did you spell that right? Yeah. I, to be honest, I spell it all the time. And I've got to point, I still go, it's P-S-Y and then yeah. sheep, like the band. Yeah, okay. Nice. <laughs> so, so check this out. So all all-time top 10 hashtag related to psychic. Oh, so nice. this, this, this tool allows you to see um, one, you know, like all the other uh, offshoots of the words uh, hashtag psychic. So it might get into spiritual, astrology, you know, tarot. Um, you know, this may not fit for what you're looking for, but th this tool allows you to start seeing patterns. And then when you uh, click over here, um, you can see like they have a popularity. So it's, it shows like hashtag Beverly Hills, hashtag popularity. I mean, the popularity is like 50% uh, correlation of like from 4.6%. Whatever that means is like going up here is the, they have this great tool up in the, in the top toolbar um, toolbar, the, the menu options is top uh -huh. influencers. And in here in the top influencers, you can see the latest first on the right hand side, the latest tweets that are using the hashtag, uh, you know, yeah, psychic or on the right on the left hand side, it shows you like who's croon croon has almost a million followers and they yeah. seem to utilize the hat, the hashtag word psychic quite often. So what that tells you is like, if you click on croon, It'll probably open Twitter for me. Yeah. Um, there's our guy. He's a singer, author, represented by ICM. He, right. yeah. So you know, there he is with Carrot Top. <laughs> but the whole point is like you could start following him, and then right. you know, and start maybe retweeting some of the stuff he does, um, and what whatever it is, like getting in, like getting inside his world, and being a good follower. And, and the whole point is they are somebody who is of influence that um, if you deem worthy enough in terms of following and participating in, that they could be uh, an a, a valuable ally later down the line if, you, if they connect with you on social media because you, if you've been retweeting a bunch of their stuff or engaging with them, and if you can, the, the caveat is if you can get them to follow you back, then you have an opportunity in Twitter to do a direct message, you know, a DM. 
So that's the world of Twitter. The same thing with like Instagram. Instagram is about like, you know, follow me, I'll follow you and yeah. comment on this picture or whatnot. Um, what this allows you to do with your hashtags, again, for searchable, is knowing like when you start posting something, um, mm -hmm. like saying like, oh, you know what? Uh, here's here's a really great example. Deciding what people use more often. Do they use the term hashtag film or they do use the term hashtag movie? You know? Okay. Yeah, so it's yeah. really, yeah. Or hashtag web series. So let's type in web series real quick just to see what um, there's some variance, you know, web series. Let's yeah. see if so. Okay, so here we go. There we go. So web series comes up. And all of a sudden, there's words like cosplay. Hmm, interesting. I never thought about that. There's sitcom, there's indie, pillow talk, uh, comic books, uh, documentary, comedy. So you're like, okay, so this makes sense here. So I got web series and comedy. So if I click on comedy, you know, it should give me offshoots from there. Like, oh, what is this? Why? Retweet, GIFs, uh, iFunny humor. Like just a word you might not even thought about. Oh, maybe I'll use humor. Instead of yeah, yeah, yeah. instead of comedy, and, I, and of course I, I'm English, so we don't spell humor like that. So that's a right. different way of spelling for me. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm not English, British, but I speak English rather than American. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So the the hashtags from there. Um, one, if you just think about like I need to tag whatever I'm creating, my videos, uh, my blog posts, um, just like any thoughts I have that I'm putting out online. I should utilize hashtags as a way to sort of do a search index on it, knowing that mm -hmm. the search crawls and all these engines are going to grab like, you know, singing, psychic. Like if those, that's always like tied together, uh, Soho, yeah. London, like whatever it is that makes your video or your contents unique, having a, a very specific hashtag or several of them, several of them, several of them put together, just knowing that down the line, Somebody may find that when they're searching the, one of the hashtag um, options. And there's another way to utilize hashtag using the trending hashtag. So trending hashtag in like Twitter is if there's a national disaster or there's some kind of a lot of some viral, you know, news item worthiness. Um, the, the One of the best ones I saw was, uh, I'll try to bring it up here real quick. It was the Game of Thrones. So a couple episodes ago, uh, those who watched Game of Thrones, there was an ending that happened uh, that just got every, you know, it seems like every episode, like the uh, the followers on Twitter sphere just get so worked up, like son of a, bitch. you know, they like, <laughs> get all riled up, which is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I'm going to throw uh, this up real quick because I remember this tweet uh, that I just thought was brilliant because what it did was what we call in the blogosphere, hijacking a trending topic. <laughs> so you can hijack a trending topic, and this is what I'm talking about. Let me see here. I'll bring this puppy up here. Where is this? How long ago did I put that? Oh, here we go. Okay, here we go. I'm going to show you this. So in this, um, in Game of Thrones, there was a scene where uh, Ramsey... It's just a, it's, it's a psychotic. So if you read this, so yeah, Kale, yeah, 
so there's like this whole like debate about like violence against women and all this kind of stuff in the Game of Thrones. So we're I don't know where Kale, this is a daily Kale that promotes Kale, <laughs> said, look, hey, if your show is getting boring, maybe try adding exciting Kale instead of pointless violence against women as a plot device. Hashtag Game of Thrones. Because this was just brilliant because this yeah. got picked up. I, I saw this because I was reading a bunch of hashtag Game of Thrones threads. Because I was, you know, my emotions were at a high point because I was the same way going, I can't believe they just did this in the show. And when I saw this, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, this is a great example of trending uh, hijacking. Um, so the, the thing is, for the Uber independent who's just doing this on their own, something like, yeah. you're, like you're doing, so maybe there's a something happens in London or something or in the world that you see as a trending topic like you're just following and you see like hashtag, here's the top trending topics. Maybe there's a hashtag there that makes you think like, you know what the singing psychic would say? They would then say some funny you know, tweet and then hashtag it in relevance to the trending topic. And that's yeah. one way when people are looking at trending topics going, what? Because I would not have thought about kale. But now yeah. that it's there, <laughs> you know, I've had kale several times since the Game of Thrones tweet. <laughs> on that because yeah. I've made a decision I started having a separate hashtag um, where a uh, se separate Twitter feed for um, for singing psychic um, but the thing is I've got like I've got a reasonably decent amount of real Twitter followers under my own name at Marisha T so I and then I started doing me and her of course if I've got her she can tweet but then I went hang on I've got like 10 followers for her i've got yeah. like a twelve thousand for me it seems a little bit kind of i don't know whether you'd agree with that but i just thought um, if i'm going to have tweet it i need to do it almost from hashtag singing psychic and then still have it for me otherwise i end up dividing my efforts yeah unless you want to do something where you play it from the character and then and then if you have a larger uh, amount of followers as your you know under your yeah. real name actress then just retweet it or reshare it you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's sort of like it still tags it that way. Um, I, I know exactly. I know what you're saying. Like, I have to do that on Facebook. So, Facebook has terrible organic reach reach now. Um, so, I have Film Trooper, but yeah, I don't put a lot of effort into the Facebook page. But I do put stuff up there. So, but I know that I have better engagement if I Scott McMahon grab that yeah. post and reshare it. So there's a there's there's kind of a weird way of hacking it. So then that way my own followers or friends see it and then it gets uh, more eyeballs onto Film Trooper. So the same thing could happen. So that way you're not literally starting from scratch. This Actually, what you're doing in that case is like your character, the singing psychic, might be like someone who's starting from scratch with no followers. But because they are friends with um, you, you are mm -hmm. somebody of influence because you have so many followers. But because you as the influencer are retweeting and sharing this person's stuff you're helping grow uh more awareness of the singing psychic the yeah. Same, so yeah so the same principles could hold true if you connect with somebody even larger you know so that that that's why i was saying like you look at the hashtagify.me to do your search of like who is the influencers and then you're like okay that way i know i'll just focus on these five people that are in the same topic or could have a you know, 
maybe they like tarot card reading and they love funny psychic, you know, readings or whatever yeah. they might do that you can jump on board. Um, if you can get a few tweets, retweets from them or, or, or interaction with them, they are essentially the next level up from where you are personally, yeah. you know, yeah. so that's, but the same principles hold true. It's just, it's, it's like, that's how you're trying to level yourself up. I don't know if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I'll rethink it because I, I decided to drop singing psychic as the Twitter and just go with me, but I, you're making complete sense. So I've just got to, because it's more effort, isn't it, if you run into, it's difficult. Yeah. I mean, I have a singing psychic Facebook page and I have a Marisha Trimbetska Facebook page, but then of course I have more followers as me because obviously I'm an actor, so we all get involved, don't we? You're on set, yeah. <laughs> Facebooking everyone. So, and you don't invite them to your fan page really. Yeah, it's a, it's a, Never-ending question isn't about social media that, but I'll definitely have to think about that. So thanks. Yeah, so that's something. Um, yeah. Let's see here. What do we got? Okay, let me jump on. Yeah, we're doing well. We're a little over the halfway mark, um, and that brings us to question number four, which is we're halfway there. Okay, you should be able to see that. Um, question number four is: How does one market a web series? Is it any different to a short film? And how do you do this when you have no experience? which is great. <laughs> so I sometimes I forget exactly what I wrote in these slides. So this is a surprise to me. Let me go <laughs> to the next slide and see what I actually wrote. Oops, hold on here. Uh, oh, yes. So marketing, the way I see marketing from everything that I've learned and that I've curated is that marketing is simply communicating to get a result. And so by having that in mind, um, when you think about a web series, you think about a short film, and when you have no experience, the best thing to do is like, I need to be able to communicate what this thing is that I have created, that I've created, but I need to get a result. And I need to be very clear about what my result is, you know? So with that said, it's like getting more eyeballs on it to, are you just trying to get more views? Or if that's the case, and there's a whole strategy of just like, I just need to get more views. So I need to like up my, you know, Twitter feed or my subscriber base, you know? And so there's a whole other technique of, of once you under, understand what your goals are, that helps clarify your questions as well. So for instance, if, if you want to get a lot of views on YouTube, it's like, okay, so then you can start searching specifically for that, you know, those problems. Like, how do I get more views? And a lot of it is like you got to be consistent and then you've got to reach out to other YouTubers. And there's we talked about respecting the platform. In the world of social media, it follows the same kind of uh, principles. Um, if you want to be on YouTube and have effectiveness on YouTube, then the thing is, is that you just market and network within YouTube, meaning like, just find other YouTube stars that are a little bit above you that have a larger following and, and work with them and maybe do like a cross promotional video, um, you know, over time building that relationship and then level up, level up, level up. Because the concept here is that the audience, if you want the YouTube audience, where is the YouTube audience? The YouTube audience is on YouTube. They're, you know, they're following YouTube. That's why it's very difficult uh, for this show. This is a, a very long, one hour, sometimes an hour and a half live Google Hangout show. And so when I do like a tweet on Twitter, letting people know that this thing exists, the mindset of people on Twitter is fast. Like they're just yeah. they're scrolling through things going, all right, you know, I just need a quick blog. I need like three quick tips. I need like seven, you know, or a quick video. As soon as somebody scrolls and goes, whoa, an hour and a half, like it's 
I'm not respecting, it's not respecting the platform. So like I have to do a better job of uh, doing maybe a little small bite-sized uh, content nuggets for Twitter that leads them like those who want to know more then can click and get a, to, to experience or, this platform. Or even slice some of this and get three points you made brilliantly and make them into 20 seconds and then trailer those to link to this. Yes, exactly. And it's um, like, you know, I have a, we both have a podcast. So the thing, the best thing, if you want to just focus on a podcast, you know, in terms of your the content marketing, then the, the, the trick is to work in the world of a podcast, meaning like reaching out and connecting with a, a podcaster that has more, po you know, followers. Yeah. So the, the whole thing is like, you're always working in that world because where are people listening to podcasts? Well, on podcasts. So it's very hard, like I said, on Facebook, like all of a sudden, I, you know, I say, hey, then the latest episode is up. But people on Facebook, they're in it because they're scrolling, you know, my, my wife is brushing her teeth, scrolling through her Facebook, you know, she's not in this mood. She's not like she can take small bite sized pieces of content, short videos, short, you know, little pictures, something really funny, something shared, but there's no way in hell she's going to stop and go, Oh, here's an hour and a half long podcast. You know I mean? It, it, so it's understanding the platform and being respecting, uh, respecting the platform and, and working natively in the platform will give you uh, faster success. So that comes down to the main question, which is like, well, how do you market a web series? Well, most web series are probably on either Vimeo or on um, YouTube. So yeah. just you know, sort of in, get yourself involved with that system, that ecosystem. And then say, okay, how do I communicate to get the result? If my result is to get people to subscribe, then everything I do about my videos are like, I'll give you a short bit, but at the end, it's like subscribe. And if you subscribe, I'll give you this, you know, something to give them more value so that you're always have these call to actions because the call to action is telling your prospective, prospective lead what you want them to do. Yeah. And, that's, and that's marketing. Now, if you get to a place where you want them to buy something, and that's a you know, <laughs> there's a there, as you know in business stuff, there's like a whole slew of things uh, that probably that need to happen before sometimes the sale, um, because most people yeah. sometimes don't. That you know, the reality is everybody needs to know that marketers will end always inevitably screw up everything. Like the internet was great before the marketers got hold of it, you know. <laughs> Yeah. And like, you know, tell you know, whatever it might be, there's a whole uh, saying about marketers will end up screwing it up. Um, and people don't like being sold to, which is why the new way of selling is not to sell or push your product onto somebody. Um, so you're not marketing by saying like, hey, check this out. Like that's probably the worst thing that anybody could do. We, we see all the time, like, you know, somebody might text you or tweet you and say, hey, you know, check out my web series, check out my latest film, check this out. It's like, there's nothing there. It's almost like spamming. It's like, you're spamming me when you say, check this out. So there is a better way to do it, which is the new way, which Seth Godin talks about, which is permission marketing, which is by creating very interesting, valuable content like you're doing with your web series, um, people... I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You have interesting... It's not, it's not like yeah. a sales pitch. Like you're not pushing something on somebody. Yeah. It's you're creating something that if you have enough, the right type of audience follows you, um, at a certain point, 
then you can make the ask. And the ask is whatever you need to sell. Like, okay, I'm selling this web series or my short film or t-shirts, you know? I mean, think about the, you know, a band, an independent, you know, rock band now, like touring pubs or bars or whatever it is, they're, they're most likely giving their music away for free online. And then they say, okay, come check us out live. When you come to us at our live show, please buy our CD and our t-shirt, you know? But prior to that, they have been giving so much away, such that they built a fan base off because they were like, I give my music away for free that, uh, and maybe some people pay us like a dollar or what they, you know, pay what you think it, it's worth. And then if we are in your city playing a live show, come connect with us on a personal level. And while you're here, we need to make, you know, uh, you know, whatever rent fare or, or, or rent money. See, so buy our t-shirt please, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, I'm doing, the point is I'm doing a week of shows in the West End of London in August for Camden Fringe and I've got two shows in July plus another couple. So part of the web series was very much about the, be intrigued, see what you see who she is almost. I mean, it's a small facet of what she does. You know, come and see the story behind the videos, almost. But I just haven't worked out how I'm doing that yet. <laughs> yeah, it, it actually, it's fantastic. Will I look at it? Because you have clips of your live performance, so mm. it's it, it. You've created this world. It's like I can I can see it. They're like snippets of it, like the inkling of like this world that you created. And and we'll get to like the last question you have because I have just like my, an outsider's perspective of like cool. what I would love to see that character do. Cool. Uh, with that said, we'll just jump into. Question number five. Um, okay, question number five is, um, if I have a small marketing budget, where should I spend my money entering contests for awards on YouTube ads? And um, right, right here, sorry. Oh, so I always say this. <laughs> this is okay. something, that, it's, it's actually interesting, but you can have it either fast, cheap, or good, but you got to pick two. So what that says is if you want your stuff to be good and you want it to be cheap, it most likely won't be fast. Yeah. Whereas Hollywood, if they want to make something good, but they want to make it fast, it's not going to be cheap, which is why they have money to spend. You know. Yeah. So if you want to make it fast and you want to make it cheap, well, most likely it's not going to be very good. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this just keeping in mind what fast, cheap and good. Um, then when that comes to like what you're going to decide if you have a marketing budget, again, it all goes back to like, okay, marketing is communicating to get a result. What is the result? If I spend money on YouTube ads, will it garner me, um, you know, more subscribers? You know, yeah. and then that's what I was thinking. Doing a little thirty-second trailer with some songs of Soho, some of the horoscopes that are coming up. You know, I'm doing the horoscope readings as well. I've started. That's what I was thinking. It might get more subscribers to the channel. I was wondering. Yeah, there's that. You could do that. Um, you know, Facebook now has. Um, I, I think they call it like boot jacking. Um, so what happens is, in Facebook. It, when you scroll through their newsfeed, a video sometimes automatically starts playing, but with the sound off. The only way to make that happen is if you upload the video directly to your. I, I already do upload natively to Facebook oh, and good. YouTube. And the reason is I have 1,100 friends on Facebook, all of whom follow and retweet. 
So every video I put on Facebook, I get six, 700 views. Yeah. And yeah. likes and comments. Whereas on YouTube, it's, a, it's, you know what I mean? I don't have, you know what I mean? I've pushed a few things, but that's why I've got views on Facebook because I thought that's where my community is. But I need to build it on YouTube as well, don't I really, I think? Because of Google, because of the YouTube community, because of many things. Well, that's something you can, you can check is um, the episode I did prior uh, on Film Marketing Fridays. Mm -hmm. We went over why you need to sell to only one person. And we went okay. through this very extensive checklist of basically creating this make-believe customer, this make-believe ideal fan, oh. this make-believe avatar. Okay. And that will help you decide, like, who am I really selling to? Because you might find out that if it's working for you in Facebook, sometimes it's like, you know what, I'm going to double down on Facebook. Because okay. just recently, the, the stats coming out where there's been more views and reshares of certain videos on Facebook than they are on YouTube. Now, it's, it's really interesting because some people have been grabbing YouTube videos, the link, and then uploading directly to um, or downloading the video as a, as a self-contained yeah. you know, MP4 and then uploading that directly, posting it on Facebook, but it's not their video. And so where this particular video got a lot of viral hits on YouTube where they're earning ad revenue, suddenly they see the same video being played not on their channel, but somebody else had uploaded directly and getting all these reshares on Facebook and seeing that the numbers yeah. have doubled and they call it sort of bootjacking, I think, or it's kind of like hijacking, but you know, I, I can't remember what it was called. I think it's like called bootjacking. So where there's these content creators on YouTube have now since lost out on potential revenue because their same content is being played on Facebook. But yeah. the way Facebook works, they really try to keep you in their ecosphere. Like when you are looking at anything, you click on a link, it's still bracketed within the Facebook constructs. <laughs> so yeah. um, with that, what, what I'm trying to get at is like, if you find that you are having more success on Facebook, then you may look to, if you do have a small bit of budget, then perhaps marketing and doing a sponsored ad on Facebook might actually prove more beneficial because you already have some organic traffic going on. If you if it's like yeah. if it's like literally like starting from nothing on YouTube, you may need to like build it up a little bit before you start putting ads out there because you know in the world of like YouTube, people are just clicking through ads or they just they're waiting for that little skip this ad option or the X to yeah, come yeah. up. So uh, other ways to really find yourself, you know, getting traction on YouTube is again, partnering with those um, YouTubers that have a little, a larger audience or larger subscriber base that, that would be a perfect sort of alignment with. And like I said, as we get closer to the last question, I could kind of tie all this stuff together. But so I definitely check out the last episode, uh, why you only want to sell to one person that will really help cool. clarify. And you, like I said, you might find yourselves like Facebook might be where I need to be and maybe learn, uh, then asking your question, the, yourself the question, how do I market or put a, a Facebook ad in place to boost what I already have so then I can gain even more views and shares and followers or followers within Facebook. So something to think about. Cool. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. So let's jump to question number six. Okay, question number six. All right, so too many tweets and posts feels like harassment. Are there any guidelines? 
oh, my guideline is basically serve your audience. So this, I totally understand. It, it definitely feels that way. When you're a good person, you you don't want to be an annoyance. <laughs> so so the, the trick to this is when you feel like, am I doing too much telling people about what I'm doing? Is mm-hmm. uh, When does it become spam? When does it become harassment? If you can always keep in mind this saying, serve your audience. And the reason why I say serve your audience is I kind of come to this based off of all this, all the stuff I've been reading and, and sharing and, and applying and, and just kind of, this is my takeaway on it, is um, the world of independent filmmakers, we are, a lot of them, it's not, sometimes not necessarily the most uh, nurturing community because there's a lot of people uh, that just need to take or they need to push. They need to say, yeah. I've got something, please check my stuff out. Um, so it's very ego driven. And the, in order to connect with an audience, um, you have to like let go of your ego and almost become a servant to the audience and a very specific audience that you want to serve. When I say serve, I remember I brought this up on Twitter. It was like a Twitter chat um, between like myself and Emily Best of Seed and Spark. And so a filmmaker was, was wondering like, wait, if you serve your audience, doesn't that mean that you are then selling out in a sense of like you won't be able to make the film that you want to make because you would then be making it for them. Mm-hmm. And I, and we had to help this particular filmmaker uh, understand like, no, it's actually quite opposite. Once you are comfortable with your talents and you're comfortable with your ability to make a film or tell a story, um, then you ask yourself these questions of how do I serve this audience best with the talents that I have? And like what story that I could tell that would best serve this audience. And so now all your tweets and all your posts, if you always take it from the place of like the thing I'm going to write right now is like, how does this help or how does this serve my audience? You know, does is it going to make them laugh? Like, have I crafted the best joke? Have I, you know, and, and I'm proud of the joke. So I'm going to push it out there because I think this is going to benefit the particular audience that I'm, you know, targeting or that I want to know. Um, mm-hmm. Once you get into that rhythm of always thinking yourself like, how do I serve? How do I serve? How do I best serve? Um, then it doesn't feel like harassment because you, you believe in what you're doing. You know, yeah. you believe in your art. You believe in your comedy. You believe in whatever jokes you might have. You believe in what you're sharing. You know, you believe in like, I really want to share this story or like, I want to believe in like, look at this funniest little story that happened to me. Uh, you believe in the Instagram posts, all these types of things that you believe in. And if you get to that place, then you realize I'm here to share. I'm here to share this to the specific audience and nowhere ever will you ever feel like you are being har- spammy or, or harassing. And that's what the beauty of it is. I, mean, you know, I have a 13 year old daughter. They're, this is her, watching her generation grow up without any problems just looking on instagram like i love that i love that hey check this out you know or like you know they say i want to share this with you i want to share this with you so there's a a difference between like i want to share this with you because i think it's beneficial versus like check this out i need ego validation you know where you you're not you know you're not pushing you're you are actually adding value to the conversation of the the noisy internet you know yeah so there's a great saying, something also to think about. I don't remember who said it, but it's fantastic. We are in an age 
where we are drowning in information and we are starving for wisdom. So we have so much information and so many media of all, of all sorts just bombarding us that we're drowning in it. That's we're actually deep down inside. We're all starving for some sort of wisdom. So if you can take a bit of wisdom, even if it's comedic, even if it's fun, if that piece of wisdom, knowing that you're approaching all your posts and your tweets as serving your audience with that wisdom, you should break through the noise. So I know it's a little woo-woo, but it's... Uh... No, no, I'm all about woo-woo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw my director today who's directing my solo. He's a solo theater performer director, not a film director. And the whole point of why I can work with him is it's all about the, co the conversation is not the ego of the, of the solo performer on stage. It's about you and the audience, and it's that interaction. And the more the audience is with you on stage, that's what makes a great show because you can then take them on a journey, but they need to be involved, which is why my psychic reading show, I do live psychic readings all the time on the show, and I get their birth dates and I just read yeah. songs. And they love it for that because I can, but I allow them to have a conversation with me. And, and so it's lovely you've said that about that. It's very wise. Thank you. Starving for wisdom, I was. Uh, and, um, thank you, Jedi. Uh, and so, yeah, so that's great. You're right. I've just got to get my head around it from the perspective. You know, it's interesting. You being an actress and, you know, I do part-time acting up here in Portland, Oregon. There's one of the cardinal rules of acting is reacting, is to listen. So there's, a, there's this aspect. Most, most actors don't do it. Yeah. Rare to find. It's taught. It's rare to find. They're worried about the hair, their makeup, where the camera is, where the light is, and they're not actually doing that, to be honest. Yes, <laughs> but, you know, but you know, you've done scenes before where you'll get lost in the scene with your partner, your acting partner. And because there's so much give, there's so much giving on both sides that it becomes sort of transcending, right? Well, we try, I, try, I try that every time. And that's, to be honest, once I learned to do it, it's why I do, I, I, I'm a full-time actress because I've learned to do that on film. But it's taking your it's it's focus, isn't it? And yeah. and and all you need to be is open and, and in the moment. And, but that, that their words are hard to they're easy to say and they're hard to pull off. And it's taken me probably a good decade to do it. Now I can do it, and that's why I'm in good things now. But it's I guess it's the same with tweeting, isn't it? It's the same thing. Yeah. So I'm saying approaching uh, your whole social media demeanor or strategy as your your acting training, you know and finding those nuggets of just yeah. magic where you're you're in the moment like you're giving and then somebody responds to you like i can't tell you like how just wonderful it is i'll just get a tweet or an email and i'm just i want to jump on it as soon as possible like yeah what what are you struggling with like oh yeah let me have you thought about this or talked about this just having that conversation invigorates me and i've had scenes you know when i'm acting where the type of roles that I get cast for now, either like I'm a dad or the husband. So I really enjoy acting along younger kids just because, you know, I'm around them all the time with my daughter. I'm at home and, you know, so there's a thing when you're acting with children, ch children, act child actors, is that you have to give in order to get the best out of them. Like, you know, at least that's what I've discovered. And I really enjoy it because then as an actor, I get outside of my head. And I'm definitely in the moment because I'm just there for this younger actor who's just made, they might be, you know, their first time in the set, they're looking around and I'm helping them position them like, Hey, just turn your, your knees that way. Like that's where the camera is. Okay. You got that. So, you know, just, you know, just helping them 
um, and then making the scene as magical as possible is just is fantastic. And I think the same principles can definitely be applied to your social media strategy. And um, so, yeah, that's when in doubt, just fall back to that, you know? Cool. No, that's great. <laughs> really great advice. Thank you, Yoda. Great. Perfect. <laughs> well, we're going to take it to the last two questions then. And we'll, we'll, I know it's like one in the morning, so I want to make sure you get some sleep. <laughs> Don't worry. I, what am I doing tomorrow? Yeah, I've got some, I've got to revamp my website site tomorrow, but I'm not <laughs> Monday, so I've got a couple of days off. Right. Okay, cool. Sure. So we have um, question number seven, and we'll do question number eight as well. Are there any obvious film making or promoting communities, either online or in the UK, where I'm based, or elsewhere that I should be getting involved with? And question number, whoops, I always messed this up. And question number eight is, I do a live solo theater comedy show with my character, The Singing Psychic. So beyond this, how else can I use my enjoyment for improvising to bring awareness to my web series? Okay, so I will um, do both those real quick here. And um, I want to share with you two places, if you're in the UK, that I could think of, at least start with blogging, because you might be able to meet up with uh, this community online and you might have heard it already heard of them already um, there's let me see here Chris Jones he's oh, doing yes. some so yeah so Chris Jones is doing some fantastic things at least based off what everything I follow him on on Facebook um, he's doing like a create 50 this, this this film project he's working on he did something else I think just recently like like 50 kisses or something like that um so check out chris jones blog because he's yeah, always I do, um, he does a london screenwriters festival for the last three years i've been one of the actors hired to come and do the table reads oh there you go but i hadn't thought about contacting him because of course i'm being brought in as an actress yeah they have a director the script writer right and then some chosen few get a get a director and basically a narrator and a load of actors to try and and it's very interesting to see what happens when the director gets involved yeah um, yeah but, but I hadn't thought about contacting him versus, you know what I mean? I know him through that as opposed to knowing him I mean, as an actor. That's what I'm saying. I've got, I normally wear my uh, actor's head on and suddenly I've got a producer head. It's a bit weird. Yeah. No, I understand. So I'll re-look at him for what? Yes. And then there's also the raindance.org. Uh, so there's the festival plus all the other things that Raindance does. They have, uh, there's a members that I'm, I'm, from what I can gather, there's meetups, you know, um, mm -hmm. so everybody that's involved with rain dance, I think it'd be a great, um, connection because, you know, right here, 10 filmmaking, 10 filmmaker website essentials. So it's like, they have so many great articles they've been doing, you know, Elliot uh, Grove has been doing it for years. Um, uh, and he's built, you know, quite an impressive, uh, organization over the years, like, like 23 years now. That's pretty wow. crazy. Yeah. That's, so yeah. that's, in, that's in your backyard. So yeah. I would definitely check out those two to start off with. And um, so with that said, is there anything else you can do with your character, the singing psychic? And again, from the outside perspective, when I saw what you were creating, I really got a kick out of like, not to say it wasn't a travel blog, but I could see where if you look on this, the, the concept of like man on the street, because you have such a, a easy flow to you in terms of you, you know that character very well. And obviously you do it in your live show where you are interacting with the audience. Well, the same could be said when you're on the street. You could have a microphone 
and you could do like singing readings or whatever it might be that lends the yeah. the concept of doing readings or psychic readings within a fun flair, comedic flair of singing with people on the street. But maybe like like the Soho um, building you were talking about, the the legendary all the music that was played at this yeah. this place, and you were getting these vibes from it, and you were, you were able to sing from it. You know, who, who's to say you couldn't have like some like that kid or somebody walking by like. I'm going to read, you know, your future. And it's like, there's so many great comedic elements that come out of it. But essentially, um, I see this type of stuff happen over here in the, in the States and all the late night shows. Um, for years, Jay Leno used to do it, but it's a harkens back to the woman, the, the original uh, late shows were like Steve Allen and, um, and the original Tonight Show host, Parr, Jack Parr, where they would go, have these small comedic um cutaways where somebody who was very funny was on the street just asking people questions and in the process of asking questions um you know they get to show off a little bit more about burbank or la or new york or wherever they're at um but it's just a fun little you know because it's one topic you know and there's so many uh, comedic gold that can come out of it um i see that as as an leveling up from what you already do that i can i can see really enjoying the, the web series um uh, even more or like you said, there's a there's an aspect of documentary in there. Like there is something deeper about, you know, dri you know, driving around or traveling around Soho or the different landmarks. Because as an outsider, as an American, looking at what your videos are, I'm getting a, a taste like a travelogue taste that I didn't expect to get. Because these are places that I would probably not normally go to if I ha only have like a week in London. You know, I'm gonna have to go through all the traditional tourist stuff, but you give me this feels like boots on the ground type thing um in a fun way it's not just like you know hey i'm joe i'm, I'm we're gonna show you the the latest pub you know it's like you do this fun thing and and <clears throat> there's a huge following of people that pay you know big money for psychics so if there's a there's a fun element that you could do with it um but but maybe get to the heart of it where somebody gets transformed or, or, you know, maybe there's some illusionist tricks that you can th throw in there where people are like, what? Okay. That's funny. Oh my God. I love that song. I, I'm not too sure, but anything that you can get a transform <clears throat> a transformation out of your, the, the people that you're interacting with there, that should just help build loyalty or build interest, more interest, uh, emotionally, uh, to the, 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 this particular character as you go forward. But again, that's just me on outside looking in at what no, no, you have so um, no no it, it's valid i want to do more songs of there will be i went to the berlin festival as well this year berlinale and mm -hmm. i didn't it was just before the first one so i didn't do songs from berlin but i realized i need to wherever i go but yeah the thing is i took all the audience interaction lovely bits i had when we were shooting out of the the songs of soho because i wanted it to be under two minutes long and it starts yeah but I think at the very least, what you maybe think is at least go back and before I do anything else, I'd go back and pull some of those lovely interactive moments I've had with tramps and hookers. <laughs> yeah. Some lovely moments of hookers where she wasn't sure if I was a man or a woman. And, uh, you know, that kind of, uh, and could I, can we hurry up? Because I was on a patch where she put pics for business. You know, it's those kind of moments. Because that's oh what's so Yeah, it wasn't all captured, but there's been some, I can always recreate them and grab them, yeah. Oh my God, that'd be really funny. We had something like, <clears throat> we did like a recreation with like one of your crew guys or just one person. Like, oh, yeah, you're going to play the hooker. You know, <laughs> it's just, I mean, like anything fun to like recount the story or, 
But because you're on location, all that kind of stuff, it's it was it was endearing to me. Like just the few short videos that I saw, again, the one that in Cannes really kind of sell, sold it for, to me. It was like, wow, okay, wait, I can totally see this particular character being sort of this fun spokesperson for this region that, believe me, it might be like, no big deal for you to jump over to Berlin, go down to like, you know, the cans to, you know, to hop over here, you know, I, I mean, but from an outsider's perspective, against people who want to travel there, um, you've get, you've given me like a little bit of a taste of like, that'd be really fun. You know, it's like it digging deeper into the inspirational part of it. And, um, but you have, you are very good at what you do. So it's one of those things like I could see you interacting with people uh, on a one-on-one -on -one basis uh, off the cuff and see what magic kind of happens. And that could definitely give you an angle because you never know where that can go. You do enough of those episodes, boom, you're like on television. Like, I mean, like, like somebody says, we need to have a comedy bit for, you know, whatever is Graham Norton or whatever. Oh, you know, well, that, you I know. think to be honest, that's the thing. I think a five minute spot, she could do a weekly psychic reading. She could really do it. It's, but it's just a. I always talk about it in the third person. I realize, it's yeah, weird. yeah. <laughs> but I do because she's separate from me. Um, but one of the things I had thought about is pushing the travel blog because also that questions I should start hashtagging some of the travel visit London stuff, maybe. Yeah, I mean, so See, I, learn about it and the history because every, so that's that's really useful. The travel blog, but yeah, you're right. I need to, I need to, I think I need to set up shop in somewhere in Soho in the next few weeks with at least my DOP. Martine Wolf, who's freaking amazing. The woman's, I mean, she's amazing. It's looked that good because of she's got yeah. an amazing eye. Thank God she has, because I've got enough to worry about. <laughs> um, but really, you're right. I need to, I need to do, I need to start to get a line and get random psychic readings on the street or Leicester Square, maybe. Yeah. And then you, ha you put a, a reel together like that. Um, I can't see why that can't be valuable to like, a local TV show of some sort. I, I'm not too sure okay. how it works in uh, in England, um, but it's but you know I could see something like somebody grabbing onto that, like uh, like oh you know we have a small spot, we just need you know this particular character to share and you know, tell uh, talk about the weather, or they have you know like talk about yeah. this one coffee shop or this one you know burnt out you know uh, you know drug addict place or something, just because we're doing a piece on it. You know I don't know. It's just but if you put uh, enough content out there and really shape that character and we get to see the the beauty of your interaction with just real people, to me, that's you might not know it, but somebody much more uh, influential than myself could see like, oh, look, at they already have a building an audience. They have a really unique take on it. Let's just piggyback on what they're doing and let's bring them on to do like a short piece for our show, you know. And then cool. your conversations – it, or you can be very specific about it. Like, you know what? I would love to be, I don't know. I'm just going to do throw it out there. Like you could be on the Graham Norton show as like a short snippet. So yeah. maybe you bump into people that are working in the Graham Norton show as executives or assistants or something. And just by sh over time, building up the, that network of people, the right influencers, uh, it could open a doorways you, you weren't expecting, you know, things like that. So. Great, thank you. Now that's that's good. But I mean, the, the thing is, that's how we all work in this business, isn't it? Is we we get advice from other people who are kind of in our community, yeah. but we do build relationships over time. So obviously, your podcast is we mentioned across my networks, and right. we all kind of learn to pick things up from here. But that's I mean, I've actually met Graham because I was doing a I was a lady handing him an award at something that we did 
So, but I, that was pre-singing psychic and the insanity <laughs> was her. So it's now trying to think with a different hat on really. Yeah. But the travel I mean, blog's lovely as well. And I think the documentary angle, I didn't see it before I made it, mm -hmm. but I, I've lived, I lived there for 20 years. So I understand it. And I do look at every cobble and have a, have a story. You know, it, it, it's come from passion, obviously. And yeah. grief is changing so much. I know things mm. change, but it's really, everyone who can afford to live there now, you know, that we're losing the community of what, what it was. And I think, so for me, it's a moment in time as well. Interesting. Just right there, you sold it. You know? <laughs> I mean, just that sentence was alone was the pitch, really. So, but it's late for you. <clears throat> and um, I, I was doing my best to try to get everything in an hour. We're, we're did all right. <laughs> but thank you. Um, that was super useful. Thank you, Scott. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. And I will be sure to leave all these wonderful nuggets of links of all the projects you're working on. Um, so when people go to just filmmarketingfridays.com, you can get, see the list of all the past episodes, um, sessions that have been recorded. And then when you click on that, uh, any of the, the sessions, they have all the downloadable, like you get the downloadable slides as well as all the reference links and so on like that. Yeah. Well, my website's singingpsychic.tv, so they can always go there because I'm revamped. That's tomorrow's job. Never, oh. never, never quite a Saturday for a, a filmmaker. <laughs> nice, yes. You Singing I mean? Psychic TV. Oh, I know. Believe me. It's like right. a joke. You know, <laughs> oh, tweet. Oh, I've got, I've got a cancer horoscope thing to edit this weekend and get up for next Wednesday. And you're just constantly, and I've got a show to promote because I and sell a Western theatre. So I'm like... <laughs> but it's been really useful so thank you and you've made me think about it slightly differently be a bit more relaxed and i did like your wisdom about serving the audience that's super cool so very you. very cool well let me just quickly pay some bills here this is my version of paying the bills um you know if you are stuck trying to make your film whoops if i actually went back to the slide here <laughs> if you're stuck trying to make your film then i in encourage you to get inspired um why don't you just go over to freegearguide.com where you can get a free equipment list of everything that i use to make a feature film for 500 dollars with no crew and again that's at freegearguide.com and that concludes uh this session of film trooper presents film marketing fridays thank you so much and i'm going to butcher your name one more time wait i'm gonna screw you. say goodbye <laughs> to, and wait i'm gonna get this right hold on hold on, hold on. oh damn it I just went mental. <laughs> How do you pronounce your name again? Wait, Marisha. 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 It says right there. Marisha. It's M-A-R-Y-S-I-A. -A. I know it's a disaster. Uh, Marisha Trembetska. And oh. I was going to change it, but I just thought, you know what? It's my name. I'm sticking with it. It's a great name. It's just I can't. I can't pronounce anything. Um, the 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 short story is that my mom is from Thailand, and I grew. I was a good son, and and teased her the entire time. She. I was growing up because she couldn't pronounce any English words. And so now uh, karma has come full circle and now I can't <laughs> pronounce any words. So there you go. <clears throat> Payback cool. for bad, being a bad son. <laughs> Marisha, thank you so much. I will follow up with you. And uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. Bye now. Thank you, Scott. Bye-bye.